If you've got your Bible, open it up, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5. We're starting a brand new series tonight, everybody. I'm excited. I get to kick off a brand new series with you tonight called The End of Me. The End of Me. How many of all, at all of our campuses, how many of you want to be happy? I'd like to see your hand if you want to be happy. Is there anybody that wants to be happy? We all want to be happy. And if you want to be happy, then you're in the right place tonight because I'm excited. The next four weeks, we are going to be studying the Beatitudes in the Bible. The, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached. This happens to be the longest message that Jesus preached. It's also the first message that Jesus preached. And he starts this message off with what's called the Beatitudes. The B attitude. So kind of think of it that way, how my attitude is supposed to be. And there are eight beatitudes that are listed in Matthew chapter 5. Now here's an important piece of information is we're launching into these beatitudes. Jesus was known as a rabbi. Now a rabbi means a teacher. He was teaching God's word. And so every rabbi had a different interpretation and a different application of God's word. So Jesus is this new rabbi on the scene and he's got his interpretation and his application of the word. And so basically when a rabbi was teaching the Bible, the, the word of God, the Old Testament, Here's, he was saying, here's how you should live it out. Here's how you should interpret. Here's what I interpret it to be, so this is what you should receive it as. Well, a rabbi's interpretation and application of God's word was known as the rabbi's yoke. The rabbi's yoke. Think of it as a, like a yoke you place upon an animal, like an oxen. And, and that, that yoke that's put upon you would steer the animal in whatever direction that the animal needed to go. The, the farmer um, would, would steer that animal accordingly. All of us have a yoke. We wear a yoke. It's a set of values that we have. It's our core values, beliefs, that determine and direct the paths of our lives. And these rabbis would say, here's my yoke. Here's my interpretation. Here's my application of God's word. And the followers would say, okay, I'm gonna wear that yoke. I'm gonna take that upon myself. I'm gonna allow that to steer my life. And so Jesus comes on the scene and he's a rabbi. And he's got this sermon that he's fixing to preach to the people. And in this sermon, he lays out his yoke, his interpretation of the word of God, which is ironic because he is the word of God, right? And, and he's laying out his application of God's word. There's nobody that has higher authority than to say the application of what God's word is than, than Jesus. And he's gonna give a different interpretation and a different application than anybody's ever heard before. This is gonna be mind-blowing. It's gonna be counterintuitive, counterintuitive. Remember when you learned to drive? Some of y'all are like learning to drive, but when you learned to drive, it was not a big deal necessarily going forward, but remember when you learned to drive in reverse, right? And it was like, it's counterintuitive. You think you need to turn the wheel this way, but you actually have to turn the wheel the opposite direction. 
And if you can't remember what that's like, then surely you can remember what it was like the first time that you tried to back up a trailer. Well, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Because that's counter counterintuitive, right? Because you're actually, you think now you should turn the wheel the way you should in reverse, but you should actually turn the wheel in the direction you should if you're going forward. It, it's mind-blowing. It's counterintuitive. Counterintuitive, it actually means doing something that on the surface doesn't make sense. But it works. But, but, but it works. And so this is the hidden nature of the teachings of Jesus. So much of it is counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. But in fact, it works. You know, scholars call this a couple of things. They call this the great reversal. Or, or they call it the law of inversion. It, it doesn't really matter, but it's counterintuitive. And so Jesus begins the Beatitudes, his famous sermon, with this counterintuitive message. He says, he, he says the word blessed eight times. You're blessed, or blessed we say, but you're blessed. Jesus says, you wanna be blessed? Well then dial into this. You want to be blessed? We say, yes, of course we want to be blessed. And so he continues giving us these characteristics of life, of a life that is blessed. Now, maybe your translation that you read actually says happy instead of blessed. Gotta tell you, don't like it very much because happy just is too small of a word. I, I, I think to understand what Jesus is talking about regarding living a blessed life, we have to look at what he said in John 10.10. 10. He said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they might have abundant life or life to the full or a blessed life. So, so that kind of explains it. So here's how we're going to define a blessed life for the next four weeks. It's going to be on the screen. Here we go. A blessed life is living with a God-given joy and satisfaction regardless of the outward conditions. Now, the last part that's the kicker, right? Regardless of the outward conditions. Because in America, we, we ha we're all about the pursuit of happiness. But for most of us, happiness is equated with outward conditions. But Jesus is gonna teach us some counterintuitive message. He's gonna, he's gonna say, uh, it's God-given. Blessing is God-given. In other words, it's not something, happiness isn't something we pursue, but it's given to us by God. It's not dependent upon our circumstances or our outward conditions. So here we go. Jesus is gonna teach us what it's like to be blessed. So let's look at Matthew chapter five, verse number three. Um, blessed are the poor. Now let's just stop right there. Like if we just, blessed are the poor, many of us are like, shazam, I am blessed baby because I qualify, right? Because, because, because I, am, I am poor, I am broke, and so I must be blessed. But most of the world would say, well, maybe Jesus was a little nervous when he began this message. I mean, it was his first time in public speaking, so maybe he was a little bit nervous and he began the message kind of inappropriately because we believe that you're blessed when you're rich. You're not blessed when you're Poor. We believe that, that um, when you go to a rich person's house and you're like, man, this is amazing. This is so beautiful. They don't say, thanks, I'm rich. No, they say, thanks, I'm so blessed. Because we equate, we equate blessing 
with, with rich. But Jesus, the first thing out of his mouth is, is let's put that back up, is, is blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Hmm. He's talking about more than just stuff here, right? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, when you're destitute, when you're bankrupt. So when I'm bankrupt in spirit, that's when I'm blessed, Troy? Really? You got it. Have a great night. God bless you. Right on. Now that would leave us in an awkward place, wouldn't it? I'm blessed when I'm bankrupt in my spirit. What does that even mean? One time I met a homeless man. I was on a, tr- on a trip, and a missions trip, and I met a homeless man, and I asked him. He was in part of this ministry that we were, we were doing and we were serving, and I said, where, where do you live? And he's like, well, well this is it. This, this, is, this is where I live. I'm like, how long have you lived here? He said, about eight years now. And I said, okay. And I thought, what's the one question I would want to ask this gentleman and here's the question that I came up with. Um, what's the hardest part about being homeless? And, and here's what his answer was. Three words. Asking for help. And I, I thought to myself, well, that's, that doesn't make I would have expected him to say the cold nights. Or the hardest part is the empty stomach, right? Not knowing where my next meal is going to come from. But his answer was asking for help. And so... That brought us into a, a short conversation. We began talking a little bit, and one of the things I, I said is, well, if it's so hard to ask for help, what made you finally ask for help? And he said, well, I had, I had no other choice. So I, I asked for help. That is what it means to be poor in spirit. When you get to the point that you have no other choice but to ask for help, that's the point. When Jesus Christ says, you're blessed. That's the point. So, so two things about being poor in spirit this evening. Number one, you reach the point where you realize you're broke. Blessed are the poor in spirit means, number one, you reach a point where you realize you are broke. Spiritually, you can't pay your bill. You can't dig yourself out of this hole. You can't take care of yourself. You can't fix your problems. You cannot redeem your situation. You can't put the pieces back together again. You declare bankruptcy. And Jesus says, in that moment, that's when you're blessed. When you declare spiritual bankruptcy. But far too many people, could we please put that scripture back up again? Far too many people might interpret the, the Bible to say, um, blessed are the middle class in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the middle class in spirit, because, you know, in other words, you've wor- I worked really hard, and, and I, I earned this, and, and God, you owe me something for my hard work, and, 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 and the good things that I have are because, well, of my own resourcefulness, and I put a lot of energy into this. And that's exactly what keeps so many people from experiencing God's blessings in their life. Because we approach Jesus as if we have something to offer him. We have nothing to offer to God. Nothing. We try to bribe God with things that are already his. It doesn't work that way. We say, Jesus, look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. You 
owe me. (laughs) And it's not until we declare bankruptcy, spiritual bankruptcy, that Jesus says we can be truly blessed by God. This is really hard for us because we're all about looking like we have it all together. And someone who is poor in spirit acknowledges that they do not have it all together. We can be like the person who's about to declare you know, um, literal bankruptcy in their lives and yet they're driving around in a brand new car because they're trying to keep up the facade as long as possible. The truth is that for many of us, we, we don't want to tell others that we need help, but Jesus says, you're blessed at that moment in your life when you tell someone, I need help. There's a, there's a show on, on DIY, um, uh, the, the, the network. It's called First Time Flippers. I don't know if anybody has ever seen that. I'm kind of a home improvement kind of a guy, and I'm not really like the guy that can do the home improvement. I like to watch other people do home improvement, right? But, but it's called First Time Flippers, and here's how it works. There's this, this happy couple to begin the show, right? There's this happy couple, and they identify this major renovation project in this new house that they purchased. They're just gonna do it on their own. They're just gonna do it on their own. And, and they're gonna make it happen and make a lot of money off the flipping of this house. And so the beginning of the show, they kiss each other, they high five, and they, they get to work. But by the time the first commercial comes around, oh, they hate each other. They can't stand each other. The project is a mess. They don't know what they're gonna do. She'll say, I knew this was gonna happen, but she didn't know this was gonna happen. Then he'll say, I got this under control, but he does not have this under control. And until they recognize they cannot do it on their own, they're not gonna be able to turn this thing around. And that's how the show always goes. And Jesus is saying, when you finally realize that you cannot do it on your own, when you're poor in spirit, that's when you open up the door to God's blessings in your life. Jesus says it's at that point that you realize that you cannot do it on your own and you ask for help, you are blessed. So being blessed, excuse me, being poor in spirit is number one, you reach the point where you realize you're broke and number two, you reach a point where you ask for help. My homeless friend was right. It's the hardest thing to do. We don't like to ask for help because asking for help means I can't help myself. And it goes against how we've all been taught. I mean, think about it for a second. There's no awards banquet at school and no no sports banquets for being poor in spirit. I mean, we don't celebrate being poor in spirit in our culture. You don't put on the resume, well, I don't always know what to do, so I ask for help. You don't put that on your resume. Instead, what we do is we celebrate this self-reliant in spirit. We do, we celebrate those who help themselves. But Jesus says, "If if you wanna be blessed, you have to be poor in spirit. There is no option. If you wanna be blessed, you gotta get to the point that you realize that you need some help, but we're not, we're not very good at this. You ever been lost and you didn't ask, didn't ask for help? It's happened to me many times and you kept driving around and you're wasting energy and you're wasting time and you're wasting gas and you're looking for a destination that you cannot find. My prayer as we go through this next few weeks together is that you would be so lost, you would be so tired, you would be so frustrated 
that you would come to the end of your rope and say, mighty God, I need your help. I, I need your help. Because it's at that point that you're blessed when you finally say, I can't do it. I can't mend my marriage. I can't fix my kids. I can't continue to be sober on my own. I can't fix my temper. I can't restrain my lust. I can't save myself. I can't put the pieces back together again, God. I cannot do it. Help me, God. You know, the greatest prayer of all is one word, help. God hears that prayer. Help me, God. Blessed are you. The message version puts it this way, and I love how they wrote this. They said, um, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you're at the end of, nobody likes to, I mean, this is where I like to be, right? Right here. But more and more, I feel in my life that I am not just here, but I am right there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That you're at the end of your rope. Most, we would think that's not a good place to be, to be at the end of our rope. But we find ourselves in a situation where it's falling apart and the pieces, they're pretty broken. But Jesus is saying, blessed are you when you reach that point. Because when you reach that point, the point that you realize that you are bankrupt, you finally made room for God in your life and his hand to move in your life. That's really hard to do. I was reading a, a survey recently about people who were quoting their favorite Bible verse. I need your help with this. And Modesto's gonna say it loud so everybody else can hear. They were quoting their favorite Bible verse. And one of the most quoted verses was this. You might know it. Are you ready? Here we go. God helps those who help themselves, except that's not in the Bible. It's nowhere. It's never been in the Bible. It never was in the Bible. It never will be in the Bible. But, but we quote that as if it was in the Bible. The actual Bible would teach us contrary to that. The Bible would teach us God helps those who can't help themselves. He doesn't help people who can. He helps those who can't. He helps those who ask for help. He, he, hel he helps those who would, who would say, God, um, I need your help. He doesn't help those who say, God, I've, I've got this. If you study the ministry of Jesus very long, you discover who gets blessed. It's the poor in spirit. A woman who comes to Jesus suffering with an issue of bleeding for 12 years. She's anemic. She's wasting away. She's at the end of her rope and she reaches out to touch Jesus in desperation and she is blessed. A centurion servant whose servant was sick and paralyzed. He knew that he did not deserve for Jesus to come to his home. Not at all. And so he reaches out to Jesus. He goes to Jesus. And the Bible says he asked for help and he was blessed and healing took place. A Canaanite woman whose daughter, daughter was suffering terribly and nobody would help her. She was desperate. She was at the end of her rope. So she cries out to Jesus, Lord, help me. And she was blessed. And so this, this is how Jesus begins his entire sermon, the first message that he preaches. Blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope. Blessed are you when you realize you, 
You cannot do this on your own. And you ask for help. It's kind of a hard message as I was working on this. It's kind of a hard message because you know, you, you, there's this tendency to add a to-do list at the end of a teaching. Like, okay, so this is how you apply. This is what you do. And everybody likes a three-step process or something to do or some homework or some application steps, some action steps. So if I'm gonna preach on being blessed um, by God, if you're poor in, the sp in spirit, then there's something inside of me that, that really wants to give you these steps. This is how you do it. But, but the truth is, um, if you do that, it misses the point entirely. Because being poor in spirit, it's not a task list of things that you need to do. It's the admission that you cannot do it and that you need God's help. And so this is what we're going to do. Lathrop, online, our house churches, and here in Modesto. One of the images that we have in our culture when somebody is needing help, when they need some assistance, is we have got um, a bell system in our culture. You go to the post office, ain't nobody there, right? I mean, rarely is there anybody there, right? They're doing their job back behind. I don't know what they're doing, but they're doing something. And you need help, you just have to ring the bell. And when you need assistance, you ring the bell. The Salvation Army, at Christmas time, they got the people out there ringing the bell next to the red things because they're saying, you know, people need some help and you put some money in the bucket. When a family member is sick, sometimes mom will give a little bell to them and say, ring the bell and I'll come help you uh, if you need some assistance. My grandmother, um, who is in heaven now, my grandmother used to be a nurse many, many decades ago. And, uh, and she would tell me that, you know, the, the call buttons that you have now in the hospital beds that ring the bell, they literally were bells back in the day. You literally rang a bell and the nurse would come see if you needed some help. You rang the bell when you needed some help. That, that's, that's what we're going to do today. Ring the bell at all of our campuses and tell God that you need, you need some help. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 2, verse number 17. Um, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. The, the, the point is this. If you want all that Jesus has for you, if you want to be happy, you want to be blessed, then you got to be sick. Now, we're all sick. Y'all are sick, right? All y'all sick, right? We're, we're, all, we're all sick. But some of us think we're well. Some of us puff ourselves that we're healthy and we're well. Maybe you're healthier than you were, weller than you were. We still need help in areas of our lives because we think we're healthy. We don't ring the bell. We don't ask for help. So we're going to have a time of contemplation in the gatherings today, a time where some music is going to be playing, and, and we're going to practice right now in this safe environment. And you might be a guest. You might be a guest here, a guest at one of our other campuses, but we're going to practice in this safe environment. You're safe here at New Life, being poor in spirit. And in your auditorium, the place where you're gathering, at the front of your auditorium is a, is a table much like there is here. And the table has pieces of paper, pencils, pens, markers, 
And on the piece of paper, it simply says, Lord, help me with blank. Lord, help me with, and then there is a blank. You'll see that up on the screen. Lord, help me with, and then there's a blank. And what I would like you to do is I'd like you to come forward. And there's great intentionality in this. Come forward. You can take turns. There's a few markers. You can bring a pin. You can step to the side, whatever you want to do. But I'd like you to fill in that blank. And fill in the blank, but you're not done yet. It's an area of your life that you are telling God, I declare bankruptcy. I'm, I'm broke. I, I, I can't. I cannot do this. I, I don't have the answer. I don't have the strength. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the energy. I don't have the ability. I, I can't. I'm broke. I'm bankrupt. I declare, I declare bankruptcy. And then, and then you're going to put that paper in the basket, in the container that's at your campus. Fold it if you'd like to. Put it inside the basket. Don't put your name on it. I don't Nobody needs to know. Put it in the basket. This basket happens to have a lid on it. You can close it when you're done, but put it in the basket. And then I would like you to ring the bell. To ring the bell. Now, you might ring the bell like this just because you're a shy person, and that's fine. You can do that. But when I'm really desperate, and I really need some help, and I would like their attention right away, I'm not going to be one of those, I'm going to, I think that's what Jesus wants, is us to be desperate enough that we're going to put our own inhibitions aside, our own feelings of embarrassment and vulnerability aside, and declare bankruptcy. I need your help. Now, I don't care how you ring the bell. Ring it once, that's fine. Walk to the side. But I'd like you, in this place tonight of safety to practice being poor in the spirit and 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 while the music is playing after you declare bankruptcy whatever you're, you're like well I'm new at this church that's just for me there's no it's not just for you're here and by the way you're not here on your own on your own path God cleared every single hindrance and obstacle and roadblock that was in your way to get you to be here tonight you think you made the choice but God made a path clear for you so the choice was much easier for you to make and so this is for you and you know what you're what what God is speaking to you about you know what area in your life that you need to declare bankruptcy that you cannot do this then maybe step to the side. If you want to go to the next level, 39 times in the Bible, um, the posture of lifting your hands is, is in the Word. Why? Well, I don't know about you, but I had two brothers. We played cops and robbers all the time, right? And when you were the cop and you got the robber and you caught him, you're like, stick him up. And when you put him up, what did that mean? I surrender. I, I give up. Not my will, but your will be done. So maybe you can take a moment somewhere in the auditorium, somewhere in your place of worship that you're at tonight, no matter where you're at, whether you're at home in a house church or in one of our campuses, just maybe after you declare bankruptcy, ring the bell, step aside, take just a moment and pray and say, okay, God, I mean this. I, I'm not only declaring bankruptcy, but I'm asking for your help. Help me, God. Simple prayer. And then see what God will do. Let me pray for you before we have this time in our campuses. Mighty God, thank you that you are the God who helps. We set aside our pride and our tendency to say, I can do it myself. 
and we allow you to come in and do incredible things tonight. Help us as a church family to come to you and to ask for help. Let us come to the end of our rope so that we can find help and new life in you. I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the gathering at your particular campus or where you're meeting. At this particular campus, there's going to be a few baptisms, and I know you can't hardly wait to celebrate with these folks. They're going to be baptized in water tonight. But before that, I'd like us all to take just a few moments online at the various campuses, and let's actually practice being poor in spirit. And in about three minutes, I'll come back up here, and I'll dismiss you and bless you before we go tonight. But as the music begins to play, don't make this be a junior high dance and wait for the first person to move. Can we just get to going and declare some bankruptcy tonight and see what God will do in your life? Hallelujah. Let's do this. Be poor in spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.
you are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. When you got nothing else to offer. That's the message that Jesus starts off this incredible sermon with. And I think the most important part of a message is the first thing and the last thing that's said. It's what we remember. And it's counterintuitive. But you tonight, and you tonight, yeah, you're being blessed because you've declared bankruptcy and you've asked for help. May the Lord bless you, may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest and may he give you peace. New life online, new life in house churches, new life Lathrop, and new life Modesto. We love you, love you, love you. May God richly bless you. You're dismissed. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.